really there's opportunities all along the supply chain and that's why we're supporting people with you know ideas and are just really passionate about what they're doing and, and really want to make a difference and have an impact. Welcome to Nourishing Matters to Chew On. I'm Anthea Fawcett. Join me on a journey across our food and agricultural landscapes as I speak with inspiring people who are tackling parts of the wicked puzzle to enable change toward a healthier, more sustainable, fair and resilient food system and environment. I acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connections to land, water and culture. I acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Globalised circular economy through businesses, startups and research to transform waste are key themes I've enjoyed digging into on Nourishing Matters this season with guests like Julia Kay from Great Rap and Ross Anderson from Akuna Sustainable Murray Cod. And in conversation with me for this episode is Emma Coth, who is the Managing Director of Rocket Cedar. That is a pretty incredible startup accelerator program whose 2022 and forthcoming 2023 programs are all about supporting startups with people with bright ideas to develop businesses that tackle the wicked challenges of food waste and food loss. Welcome, Emma. Thanks very, very much for your time. Thanks for having me, Anthea. Fantastic to meet you at last. Where are you Where are you joining me from today? Is it Melbourne? Yes, that's, that's where we're based, in Melbourne, although we do support startups from all around Australia. And Melbourne, Victoria, being the home to the great ecosystem of food innovators. So correct, correct. No surprises you're there. <laughs> <laughs> I think listeners will be really fascinated to learn about Rocket Cedar and how they might get involved in your programs. And I'm also really keen to talk about the food waste and loss programs and participants that are such a key and growing focus, it seems, for what Rocket Cedar are doing. It's just all so interesting in that whole growing space. Rocket Cedar have already provided support to some 110 plus founders in 75 startups in across nine programs across all states or across four states. It's just so impressive what you've already achieved. So bravo, bravo you and team. Can I ask you to introduce and tell us about what Rocket Cedar is, uh, who's involved, and how the idea for it and the accelerator program it offers kicked off or got started. Yeah, great. Um, so we started back in um, about 2017, so we've been around for five five years. Uh, we started actually with a, a grant from LaunchVic from the Victorian government um, to fund uh, three accelerator programs over 18 months, um, but for the ag tech sector or for startups uh, with solutions um, relating to ag tech. And um, I think um, I wasn't involved right at the beginning. Um, Matthew Pryor actually was the founding chair and he's, he's started his own uh, venture capital fund um, called Tenacious Ventures. And so he, I guess when that when it was started, it was funded, they sort of realised that there weren't enough ag tech startups in Victoria <laughs> <laughs> to field three cohorts. <laughs> so they pivoted uh, um, straight away to um, beyond, the, I guess, you know, ag tech in, in the sort of, I guess, even the, the broader definition of ag tech, which we, we adopt and use, which is from farm right through to the consumer. But even you sort of the tech component within that, um, there weren't enough startups. So we did um, start supporting, uh, I guess, a broader range of startups in the food and agriculture sector. And so they didn't didn't necessarily have to have a technical 
a tech component um, back then. And we were also, we were invited to um, be co-located alongside Monash Food Innovation Centre at Monash University. So we were there for a couple of years, which was fantastic in the um, the um, chemistry building, which was is an amazing building. So that was a really good experience and met some wonderful people through that process. Uh, so we've since then, um, I've come on board about, well, about four years ago as a um, managing director. I was already on the board, um, but came on as, as managing director and sort of changed things a little bit. Um, going back to the ag tech in the fuller definition, um, so, you know, more tech focused, if you like, and realising that the ecosystem was maturing uh, and also um, uh, accessing funding that didn't restrict us to uh, supporting startups within Victoria. So if we have the whole of Australia um, uh, to support st um, startups in, then it sort of, you know, opens up the the pipeline or the the number of startups that we can support. So that sort of started with, with well, we did have um, a contract with Meat and Livestock Australia, um, which was sort of just a once-off thing where we started to support um, startups from around Australia. Uh, and then um, I came up with the idea with, for the food waste program or the food waste, food loss and, and waste um, program, probably a couple of years ago now. These things take a long time to, to develop. One of the other things that we wanted to do was align our work with sustainable development goals, which was essentially um, aligning, you know, the startups that we support are quite, you know, purpose-driven people so the founders are purpose-driven you know we, we put a lot of effort and time into what we do so we, we sort of it's I think it's sort of it made sense for everyone to to be focusing on goals that were around sustainability essentially and obviously with all of the, the you know the climate issues we have um that it just became sort of very obvious that that needed to be our focus uh rather than just support your sort of everyday um, start up producing a product to make money, et cetera, uh, which is still, you know, fantastic. I love to see entrepreneurs. I love working with any entrepreneur and, you know, they're always very passionate and hardworking and committed. Um, but we as an organisation needed um, more of a focus, I guess. So that's why we sort of started to align our work and in, in the startups with uh, that we work with, with um, sustainable development goals. And was that pretty much around 2019 or earlier that you did that? That was around 2019 when we started doing that. Um, and then so what we did was we identified um, food waste as a um, critical issue and it has its own goal or target under um, SDG 12, which is sustainable production and consumption. So it touches both the production and consumption piece there. Yeah, obviously, it's a huge issue. So um, and Australia um, now has has adopted the, um, I guess, the global goal of, of halving food waste by 2030 uh, through, uh, first, they had the, the CRC for fight food waste, which is still in existence and then alongside that um, as a sister organisation if you like is Stop Food Waste Australia so under that they have a food pact so the uh, food yeah it's, I think it's called the food pact 
Um, and they have a number of organisations like Woolworths and Simplot um, that are signatories to that food pact and essentially they're signing up to that goal of halving food waste by 2030. So as, as you can see, it sort of, you know, filters down or, or out or whatever. And then, you know, you're getting more people because, if you know, these corporates have signed up to it, then, you know, smaller organisations, I guess, um, who can be part of, of um, Stop Food Waste Australia and sign up um, as a signatory as well to the food pact. It's just focusing on corporates at the moment because I guess they're larger and then the impact will be larger. Uh, and um, they're only really getting started, actually, um, Stop Food Waste Australia, and, and um, I think they've tripled the size of their team recently, which is really good news um, for all of us. And um, I guess what we're doing in, in essentially is, you know, identifying and, and supporting a pipeline of ideas and founders who are really focused on reducing food loss or food waste. So we ran our first program this year, which was in, in Woolworths and, and uh, Simplot were two of our sponsors, which mm-hmm. um, aligned nicely with um, Stop Food Waste Australia, um, sort of happened all about at the same time. You know, it was already on their radar, food waste, you know, still is, um, obviously, uh, even more so and and is on the radar of more and more corporates and, and people in the sector. Yeah, and I think most consumers are really getting switched on to it too now. Like- and that's good and that's a real focus for Stop Food Waste Australia too is is that, you know, they have three programs essentially and one of them is, is to reduce food waste in homes, um, which is really a, a, a social sort of issue about changing mindsets and, and um, you know, practices, what we do as consumers in our own homes uh, to reduce food waste. So it's anything from, you know, matching our own supply and demand in our own kitchens and also what we do with leftovers and, and things like that. But, you know, we really have, consumers have a, a huge role and um, to, to sort of reduce food waste, as they do in, in anything to do with the food sector. The, the power of our, our ability to influence um, the sector, the food sector, through our purchasing decisions is really uh, huge and uh, I, I think the more aware that consumers uh, are of these issues the more that they'll have impact and in a good way so um, this is just one example of how they can do that and you know contribute to a, a broader goal in Australia and and globally as well so you know it's being being a responsible consumer at the, at the end of the day yeah which is part of the picture, but we need sustainable production. But let's come back to that. Thank you. That's a fantastic context and strategic goal and objective for the ecosystem. It's amazing. And you've got such incredible mentors and non-executive directors and your new wonderful chair, Tony Cody, who is incredibly experienced in the sector. So you're clearly firing forward on all fronts at the moment. It's really exciting. (laughs) But can you just quickly tell me about Rocket Cedar in terms of the program and the nuts and bolts of it for any potential uh, startups and innovators out there who might like to get involved? Uh, Your website says it's a free three to six month startup accelerator program with a vision to support early stage startups that are aligned with the UN SDGs, as you've just um, beautifully described. So you're all about building an ecosystem of innovators outside of the official 
academic or research CRCs and so forth. You're working with people in industry or wanting to be businesses, SMEs. Yep. Can you describe what the programs offer to participants? Just And I mean all programs, just in terms of the components of how you structure what it is. Yeah, so our food waste program is a, a what we call a full accelerator program. So um, full means includes, uh, I guess, pr- uh, program content, which is largely delivered online now, you know, post-COVID. That's something that was already happening in the sort of, um, I guess, the whole education sector, if you like. It's just um, rapidly, you know, sort of increased um, because of COVID. And there's pros and cons to that, but um, we find it quite useful for the main part of our delivering our program. Uh, So some of that is delivered by um, an organisation, a partner organisation called Cruxes Innovation, and uh, so Jonathan Lacey and Emily Chang have a background in, you know, they were part of the um, CSIRO on Accelerator program. Emily actually developed the program and um, Jonathan was a facilitator. Emily's background is an organisational psychologist and Jonathan's background is an engineer and a, um, a startup founder as well. Mm. So they're quite qualified um, to be talking about with what they're talking about and um, so essentially what it is is we use um, strategizers business model canvas which is a business model on a cat page and uh, so strategizer is is located in um, Switzerland and um, you know lots of people around the world you know MBA programs other accelerators you know use the business model canvas an important part of the canvas is the value proposition canvas so that helps you know, and any business, any organisation can use it, not just startups, but helps people identify organisations to, to identify what their customer segment is or could be if they're looking at a new customer segment, if they're an existing business. And then that filters through to the rest of the, the canvas. Uh, so it's really about, you know, working out whether there is a viable, they can uh, create a viable business model out of their idea. So I guess the people in our food waste program with the full program come in with a little bit more than an idea. You know, they'll have an ABM, usually have a um, a, a website already, um, maybe some customers, paying customers or not, um, but still very early stage and, and wanting um, and, and needing our support. Many of them are, are, you know, looking to raise funding as well, external funding. Uh, so that's something that we can help them with as well. So really it's just that going back to the program content, it's that those startup tools, if you like, with the canvas and so forth, introducing different types of funding to them. You know, even a lot of people don't know about the you know, federal government's R&D tax incentives as well, which are really important at the beginning of your um, business um, and during. So there's all sorts of different types of external funding that you can um, access. So we sort of introduce them to all of those. We'll introduce them to investors. Also, we have, a, you know, quite, a, well, a, a very, an excellent, um, <laughs> very experienced um, network of mentors so they are in different areas. Like so, they'll either be in the food industry, will experience a new product development. Um, we have, you know, industrial designers. We have people, you know, with you know, food scientists and and all sorts of people that can help with different aspects of developing a food business. And then also on the other side for our other 
program that we have is ag tech. We have people in that sector with experience in that sector, particularly existing founders or founders of what we call scale-ups, people that have been in business um, for five-plus years, if you like, and have um, some of them have developed, you know, a really successful um, global businesses in the ag tech space. So they're really, really good um, people for our early stage founders to talk to because they they've been there. Um, and they've been there quite recently. So their contextual knowledge and correct, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and networks are still really pertinent. And um, yeah, yeah. So they're the sort of gold star standard mentors. <laughs> they're the, the best ones to have and particularly it's it's good if they you know develop a rapport with you know they like what a particular startup is doing and and they think that they can provide some value so they can develop a nice relationship um on an ongoing basis so that's what we sort of aim for so to have everyone in our to have everyone in our program that has a mentor at least one mentor that will um, carry on for beyond the the length of the program and so someone that they can talk to they'll also have the other participants in the in the program to talk to good thing about cohort based programs is they quick very quickly because they're like minded develop a i guess there's a trust amongst the group so they you, you notice that after a couple of sessions they start talking and forgetting who who they're talking to so which is really nice because that's when, you know, you're sort of more authentic and, and and open and so forth. And, you know, they get to really know um, the founders as individuals and we, we do too. Um, so we can't really sort of support them until we get to know them as, as people and then help them, you know, with, with their business and, and their idea and, and, and match them to mentors and so forth. But, yeah, with the group, um the cohort they do develop really actually quite deep relationships sometimes and and longer term relationships we've got one from our food waste cohort actually two founders starting a business together which is pretty cool well that's very exciting so these sorts of things aren't you know people don't start a program with these things in mind they just happen and um, and we know that things like that will happen. We just don't know what they will be. <laughs> but that's the ecosystem, isn't it? It is the ecosystem. And as you say, and I think your website has some really lovely graphics around. You know, it's about about expert advice and guidance. As you've hmm. you know, and you've got the the, the strategizer Canva, and then the financial planning levels of detail and mentoring. Yep. And then coaching. Uh, mentorship, which can go beyond the course of the program. And I understand the programs can vary from three to six months long. And then there's the community of the cohort and of the mentors and uh, the greater ecosystem. So yeah, yeah, it's a pretty yeah. incredible uh, locus of things you've got going there. It is, yeah. Just for listeners, program, it's free. There's no equity uh, gifting or requirements. No. Purpose-driven. No lean startup coaching and obviously access to experienced mentors and a community that goes beyond the time of the program. So it's seriously cool. Yeah, correct. And another aspect, I guess, of the full accelerator program um, is the the narrative. We do, we do a lot of pitch training. So during, <laughs> during the um, program, people are sort of thinking, really, do we have to do all this? But um, after the program, they always say, you know, it was an amazing experience because you forced us to, to do all this training. 
and um you know practice makes perfect uh, we we all know that and um so we we actually start right from the beginning and we have a fantastic pitch coach in sydney peter brown who was originally an actor um who did nida and um, and he's wonderful because he works um just sort of one on one online again but um with our founders and so at the start, he sort of really strips them back as founders, as a, if there's more than one of them as, as a team. And, you know, to understand their purpose and, and sort of, you know, helps them understand why they're doing what they're doing or want to do what they're doing. Then we start sort of building the deck or building on their deck. And then we put them in front of um, panels for of they might be in the food waste program, um, staff members from the uh, fight food waste CRC they might be you know investors they might be subject matter experts people from corporate sustainability managers and, and all, all sorts of um, relevant people and they provide feedback so immediate feedback after they pitch and then they'll incorporate that uh, sort of advice into their deck and and their narrative if you like for you know the next you know, we'll do, we do that every fortnight during the program. Mind you, you know, we, we always say to our founders, it's, you know, you'll get a lot of, you'll meet a lot of people during the program. You'll get a lot of advice. You know, the, the key is um, to being a good founder is, is being open and listening, but you don't have to actually adopt everything, you know, because that would be overwhelming so you know you have to distill all of that mm. advice and at the end of the day it's your business so you have to do what makes sense for you but it's fantastic like even I've worked in various startups and the power of the deck yeah <laughs> and the data at a simple compost well not a simple but a a synthesized yes place where the story has to stack up financially strategy wise narrative wise marketing wise um, so, so, so key. And also, you know, if you're presenting to a whole lot of different people and different organisations for different reasons, you want that continuity and clarity of, of, of the core narrative data pitch. <laughs> so, yes, right. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And look, we don't go into financials at that stage. I mean, some of them aren't ready for it, you know, sort of developing a data room and all of that sort of stuff. Some, some already have it, some don't, some are not ready for it. So we don't go into that detail during the pitch. It's just a five minute pitch. Mm. But the reason why we do introduce them to and have different people on the panel is because they do have to get used to pitching to different people, not just investors. So investors, customers, you know, just people in the ecosystem, they may be in invited to um, present at a conference or something like that. So they have to be prepared for all sorts of things. And so this is why we sort of, uh, we do this to to get them used to talking to different people. And also we'll introduce during the program, different people, you know, the, the good old Zoom room <laughs> um, it, it is quite handy because, you know, we put um, like, you know, different groups into different rooms with different people over time. And so they'll, they may only have five minutes or they may have 10 minutes to sort of present one aspect of their, you know, the, their canvas or whatever depends what we're doing in the, the program and getting feedback from various people. Um, and that's will often bring sort of, you know, mentors or people in our network to give that feedback. So again, it's about articulating what they're 
solution is, what what the problem is that they're solving. So interesting, isn't it, with COVID? I mean, I think many businesses, obviously, pre-COVID, used all sorts of teleconferencing and teams and et cetera, et cetera. But COVID has just step-changed the normalisation of you actually design a course now virtually. Yes. You don't even think you have to be in the same room initially. Similarly, just the way you've spoken about Zoom rooms and really uh, uh, carefully designing and, and wielding that as a tool for an iterative process over quite a sustained program. Who would have thought two or three years ago? Has it really changed the way you do what you do? Uh, it does. And you know, as I said before, there's pros and cons. Um, one of the pros is that you can you can get more done, I guess, online because there isn't the travelling time and, and all of that sort of stuff. And also you have access to all different sorts of people in the old days, pre-COVID, if you were running, you had to travel. So if they were interstate and then you'd have to pay for them to come interstate or wait for them to be, you know, in Melbourne or wherever you're running the program. So, yeah, it's, it's time-consuming and expensive to do that. So we, we don't do that much anymore. And um, obviously, you know, the ideal is still to be face-to-face. Um, so the... So what we sort of aim for is a hybrid program, but largely online. So in our current Ag Tech Seeds pre-accelerator program, because it's just Victoria, we've sort of topped and tailed it with a launch day at the beginning and a showcase at the end. And I think the furthest that um, people are coming from is is Mildura. So they're flying from Mildura, but, you know, we've got lots of regional people, but everyone sort of doesn't mind coming to town. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and some of our founders are located in Melbourne anyway. So that works out quite nicely. With the national program, it's a little bit different. So it's harder to top and tail. So we normally just do a showcase at the end in person. Um, and then they've got the option to, um, you know, um, zoom in to that as well and and pitch virtually, which works quite well, I must say. And, and in our food waste program this year, uh, we had um, Hole, one of the um, our star startups, uh, and and Nick, um, one of the co-founders, who was pitching. He they're in Perth, so and they were just at the end of the sort of lockdown period, so you know no one had sort of really ventured out of Perth at that stage. So he pitched virtually, and obviously he was very large on the screen, and um, but he won. Um, the the pitch event so and and his solution is their solution is um fantastic it's a proprietary technology that basically transforms and a little bit about the work similar to the work that's done at Syro in fact he's working with Syro turning um mainly vegetables into you know powders and separating the powders out into protein etc so and he can you can put whole even whole avocados with the whole seed into the yeah, system. So, and that one does sound absolutely incredible. And yes, dear to my heart, after having spoken to Dr. Artie Tobin and Danyang Ying about about protein powders from meat cuts and uh, horticultural waste, which is well, some twenty five to thirty percent of hort produce doesn't reach leave the farm gate. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so as your website says, and as many listeners will know this, because everyone's tuning in now to the issues around waste and uh, food waste and food loss increasingly, but in Australia, there's some 7.3 million tonnes of food is currently wasted, um, suggesting huge economic opportunities. And internationally, and I know I've said this in lots of episodes of Nourishing Matters, but just to reiterate it, if food waste and loss were a country, it would be the third largest source of greenhouse emissions in the world. Emma, you've already spoken about your strategic priorities being a Aligned with the SDGs and lots of good reasons for that, particularly in 2019 with Eat Lancet and the IPCC report on agriculture and land use clearing and the global syndemic malnutrition, diabetes, climate, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, right on the mark, <laughs> catching, mm. that, catching that trip. Well, it's not a trend. It's a long-term mm. change, isn't it? It's reality, yeah. Mm. But with them, let's just talk briefly uh, about... Um, Sustainable Development Goal 12, specifically 12.3, that has two key components that are food loss and food waste. And there's a definition via a link via your wonderful website, which talks about, uh, well, just, just explains that food loss focuses on food losses that occur up to the retail level, while food waste refers to retail and consumption waste. And I just sort of really wanted to spell that out because I really wanted to ask you, there's a real sense that people get food waste, you know, as a consumer at the supermarket, in your bin, with the local council, restaurants, et cetera, et cetera. Oz Harvest very much started stopping food waste at the end of restaurants and retail venues and so forth, and it becomes so much more, of course. But what about, so I think food waste is something most of us get our head around pretty well, but I'm really curious to learn from you about uh, what you and leaders in industry are thinking around about food loss. Because it's quite different, isn't it? And I know you flagged this in a conversation we had quickly by phone the other day. Mm, it is quite different. And I think what we find is that even, you know, Stop Food Waste Australia and CRC, that when they say food waste, it means food loss as mm. well because it is complicated, which was what we're just talking about now. So a lot of the opportunity is actually food loss it, and, th- and that's it. that includes the pre-farm gate stage. You, you want to avoid producing a product in the first place if you don't have to, if you know that it may not be eaten or it won't be eaten or, or whatever. so Or might get thrown away after two or three T-shirt wears, just putting in a bit of a <laughs> bit of an industry bugbear of mine there. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, and that's sort of more food waste, I guess, you know, because it's at the retail or home level. Mm. Um, so once you've got it in your fridge, once you've bought it and put it in your fridge and you, you're not using it, so that's wasting food. We know that. Um, but this is the food loss component is, is more, you know, further up the supply chain, if you like, so to the um, more towards the farm level before it gets to retail essentially, or manu- even manufacturing. Yeah, it's it's about, and, and that's that's occurring more obviously because of um, climate change and the, you know, our, our varying variable climate um, conditions that we're experiencing at the moment, uh, whether it's, you know, due to flood or hail damage or fire or, you know, there's endless reasons why crops can be sort of damaged um, sometimes, well, a lot of the time that they are beyond not letting something grow, not allowing something to grow to its, you know, fullest is. I'm thinking of, you know, fruit and vegetables and, you know, grains and so forth. You know, a lot of crops are damaged, you know, just before they um, should be harvested. 
Uh, or, you know, the, the big one at the moment is the not having people to pick the fruit and vegetables. There's been some horrible stories about, you know, whether it's avocados, mm. big, you know, huge things of avocados that, you know, can't get to market. And that's the other issue. You know, there's because of COVID and disrupted supply chains, all sorts of horrible things have happened um, in the food industry in regards mm. to food loss. Uh, over the last um, couple of years uh, in particular. But uh, I guess that's where there are all these solutions where, you know, for example, whole, um, so you can have damaged crop but it's still edible and then you can feed it through this um, their system which is called Winks, not the horse, <laughs> same, same word. Uh, and then, you know, it'll come out as a, as a powder, which you can use, you know, as a protein powder or whatever, um, for a manufacturer. So that's, that's quite, there's some, there's another one in Victoria called Nutri, Nutri-V, which they sort of started off actually a few years ago, um, promoting and just as a sort of a gimmick, but, um, you know, broccoli lattes. You know, then that's one of the, you know, uh, the key crops that they're um, transforming into a powder. And, you know, so and then to use, you know, for food manufacturers can use that or, you know, it can be supplied or or um, blended um, as powders for people to use in, in their homes. So I think we're seeing a lot of innovation in this space, uh, but there are just there were so many other mm potential solutions out there. We had someone in our um, food waste program this year who um, have a have a sort of like a trading platform um, matching demand and supply, uh, which they had in India, but um, one of the brothers moved to Sydney and lives in Sydney with his family and um, sort of engaging with the food industry in Australia to implement the system in Australia. And it's quite, you know, they've spent nearly a million dollars on the platform. It's quite um, a sophisticated sophisticated technology. And is it about grain trading or pulse trading? or does Because I wanted to ask you about food loss in the grains and pulse sector, which was huge with La Nina at the end of last year. And food loss can also be, yep. you know, premium wheat produced for high-protein human consumption, like high-level pastas and so forth, gets rained on, ends up being shuttled down food hierarchy chain to feed. Animal feed, yeah. Yeah, and that's quite questionable in a whole lot of ways. But the grain sector, the pulses sector, there's a lot of really innovative stuff going on there to get, you know, as part of a flexitarian diet, more plant-based. We we still need more carbohydrate cereals and pulses. So just when you mentioned that business is linked to India, I know that there's a huge interest in and around growing Australia's pulse sector and doing more value adding in Australia because at the moment pulses aren't very yep. valuable to grow because we don't value add them. Yes. Can you comment on that? Is that sort of an area of food loss or interest? Well, not really from a food waste perspective. Um, what I've seen is that crops have been lost, but again, what and what I was trying to articulate before, it's sort of before the stage that they can be harvested yeah. and that's damaged. You know, I've seen lots of photos of lupins and things like that, you know, with the sort of the flowers knocked off and and so forth so I can't really comment there we actually do have the um, Australia's leading pulse breeder in our ag tech seeds program wow as as a probably a coincidence um with your question Mm. what he's doing is he's you know and this is probably getting off the track a little bit but you know the food manufacturers purchase 
um, and this is globally sort of multinationals, if you like, purchase a limited number of varieties of pulses mm. for manufacturing. And uh, so he's developed and, and bred, they're like his babies, that these babies babies that haven't been adopted yet out. <laughs> it's like running running an orphanage. Yeah, and he's been he's bred them for because you know for higher because they're trying to get the protein content higher, and you know climate sort of resilience and things like that. Um, but they haven't been adopted, you know, at large scale yet. In fact, you know he only has a limited number of quantities of these crops coming on every year to even give out as samples. So that's at the really early stage. But we, what we want to help him do is sort of develop it and it's an experiment but develop a brand to see if this each variety that he's bred is of interest to um, consumers so we're sort of just jumping the jumping the gun the ex, the man, manufacturing step just to sort of attract attention to the issue that these you know um, pulses have been bred um, and they're superior to the ones that have been consumed at the moment um, but it's all about scale like everything's about scale and, and also about competitive uh, interest because some of the big grain pulse producers may not want these well that's right that's interesting uh, which market space he will choose to go to yeah, yeah, yeah I was going to ask you quickly what are the and I think you've already mentioned quite a few of the key ones what are the high order food loss challenges in Australia or put it another way, where are the high order opportunities uh, for business innovation around to address food loss? Have you touched on the key ones you'd want to mention there or are there others? Um, yeah, well, probably uh, I wouldn't say high order because, um, look, you know, it's, it's more about, you know, what part of the supply chain, if you like, the opportunity is to or the, I guess, the impact is. Uh, to reduce food waste and loss. Mm. I, th- I think we're sort of focused at all parts of the supply chain. I mean, there's a lot of work that's been do- done to suggest that there's a high return on investment to innovate pre-farm gate. Oh, really? And also, you know, not just farm gate uh, on farm, but also in, um, you know, aquaculture. There's a lot of opportunity. And so I'm not sure what the terminology is there. It probably is something um you know shoreline or something like that instead of farm gate <laughs> i think well a closed loop sustainable aquaculture production is is a hot topic in australia at the moment yeah as are potential plant based food stocks for aquaculture hmm. yes yeah 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 it's really interesting once you start delving into these into individual supply chains if you like Mm. then you can start seeing where the opportunity is to have impact by reducing food waste and food loss but I I think um and that this is a focus on you know changing consumer mindsets and and um you know behavior Mm. in, in the home so those two you know two ends of the supply chain I guess there's um should be more of a focus, in my belief, um, in that sort of on-farm or the aquaculture side of things. Uh, and, yes, the government's uh, Stop Food Waste Australia and others are doing, Oz Harvest, doing some work with um, Behaviour Works, focused on the, the in-home piece. But really there's opportunities all along the supply chain and that's why we're supporting people with, you know, ideas and it just really passionate about what they're doing and and really want to um, make a difference and have an impact. So sometimes you don't know until it's done and, and there's a lot of hard work, obviously, um, uh, but something may 
work in the market sort of it can often be a timing thing um, obviously funding access to capital and, and other resources are really important uh, you know some of these ideas will stick if you like and sometimes we don't know which ones they will be so that's you know why we can't sort of just it's not about identifying um you know, winners or potential or having favourites. <laughs> it's about supporting as many, you know, good ideas as we possibly can, getting the ecosystem, uh, including our mentors and so forth, um, behind them, um, giving, getting them sort of access to uh, investment and, and also educating investors about the opportunities as, as well. So we're working with an organisation called Kalara Capital, which have focus on future foods and, and sustainability. So food waste is something that they've identified as important. They they have a um, a growth fund or an impact fund, but they have different various parts to their business. So they did a lot of research around food waste and the opportunities to reduce food waste and food loss. I guess they didn't have to do this, but they have, which is wonderful, and they've released a report yeah that is very generous yeah it is it is and really it's sort of their contribution to the ecosystem and you know they were sort of collating a lot of the um, data and um, research that's been done globally uh, in this space uh, and and released a report uh, a few months ago so because obviously you know it's, it's sort of on lots of people's radars but including sort of investors so it's it's great to we like to, I guess, support these. And that's unusual, I guess, for an investor to go into that much detail. They're building the sector. They're growing, you know, like it's, yeah, yeah. Really. Yeah, so we love working with people like Kalara because they're not just doing it for their own needs. Um, you know, they really want to, you know, share this and their knowledge with other people um, in the ecosystem. You know, with the SDG goals, you know, I think is it by 2030 halving the amount of food waste is a international goal and Australia's targets line up with that, as you said at the outset. So how are we travelling on that target? Um, I actually haven't heard. I don't think we're making a lot of progress and so there's a lot of work to do and that's one of my big sort of, I guess, aha moments in running the food waste program this year is and, and really encouraged me to, you know, keep providing this program for um, startups and again we're going to have the challenge in front of the program next year because not everyone wants to do an accelerator program they might be too early or too advanced mm. there's lots of different reasons and we've we want to find out who's doing what you know we and we want to we want to highlight them I guess yeah yeah and and, and then as you say and then connect them because you just don't know what will happen. Their immediate idea might get transformed into some a partnership with somebody else, as you mentioned yep. two of your cohort from earlier this year have done. That's right. So it's about drawing attention to this particular issue and and, and, and people will find each other through through that process. Um, we're we're hoping and, and we see that happening already within our own programs and our own community if you like so this sort of is just extending it out more broadly and you know working with organizations that are focused on this like stop food waste australia and the crc and um and and all the corporates that have signed up to the food pact you know we're sort of all working together in our own different ways but really focused on the same goal yeah 
and we're just playing our part, you know, albeit small, but just drawing attention to the the issue. Albeit small, but step change. Yeah. Would you like to just mention one or two uh, stand out or curious, particularly curious um, startups from the food waste accelerator program earlier this year? You've mentioned, you've touched on a few. Are there any others you'd like to just headline? Yeah. So I guess, you know, talked a little bit about Whole uh, from Perth. Um, Another participant in our program was uh, Forkful and Forkful have an app that people can use and um, they can find food that is left over from a cafe or a retailer at the end of the day. So it's still 100% edible and fresh, uh, but it will otherwise go to waste. And then so it's really just matching up those people that, um, you know, need something for dinner and haven't, they're not organised. Like I'm guilty of that um, a lot of the time. <laughs> but at the moment it's it's not available in my area of Melbourne, um, so I, I can't um, use it. So they're just using it's in the Darabin Shire. That's really clever. I don't know how, don't know how you make money out of it, but it's a it's really clever idea, social innovation. Well, again, it's about scale. So, you know, really to be making money, you sort of have to cover the whole of Australia. Uh, but it's 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 finding you know particular you know I guess channels or niches in in each of the yeah yeah you know yeah. Gov- local government areas or states or or however but that that's what it is I mean Natalie um, the co-founder she's very um, passionate and you know it's like what many of our founders wanted to make a difference um, she has a young child just wanted to, to do something that will make a difference. It's a really practical food security, food innovation, great idea. It's fabulous. Yeah, and she's a wonderful founder too. So um, just a shout shout out to um, Natalie that she um, she's, she's one of our, um, she's very, very good to work with from a, um, and a program accelerator perspective. She's a good listener and a, and a, and a good doer. Tell me about seaweedery. Yeah, seaweedery, really interesting. Um, given the name, um, they do focus on seaweed, but also, um, so, so that's edible seaweed, but also uh, one of their key products is prawn oil. So they take the shells from, leftover shells from uh, a prawn processor and turn that into a prawn. It's a premium product too. So one of the co-founders is, is a chef. And uh, so, yeah, it's been really popular, uh, the, the product. Um, but on the seaweed side, they have a seaweed oil too and they have a permit to harvest seaweed in New South Wales. Um, so I'm not sure where that's going because that whole sector needs to move, you know, on, like move forward in terms of edible seaweed. And we had another startup in our second cohort um, that's you know she's um, Sarah's a dietitian and she wanted to select one product that to build a business around so and she selected seaweed mm. um, and she's um, has seaweed sort of sprinkles she's even got seaweed chocolate and all sorts of things um, Elg is um, her business and Elg seaweed and Yes, so a big part of her business is, I guess, um, encouraging people to eat more seaweed from a health perspective. 
Yeah. She's trying to make seaweed, edible seaweed, more accessible to people. Yeah. Whether that's, you know, so you can buy her product online in um, now in, I think, 160 stores in Woolies, which is great. Um, But also she works closely with chefs. So, you know, food service, cafes, restaurants, things like that. And in terms of and in terms of sustainability, seaweed's so interesting on a whole lot of fronts, isn't it? I think everyone sort of probably heard about, you know, I can't recall the correct technical term, but the red algal, the red seaweed for, for beef meat. Asparagopsis, yeah. Yeah, for beef methane. But meanwhile, climate change, hotter oceans is wiping out quite a lot of our seaweed forests and our beautiful deep sequestration deep kelp forests are being yes. really challenged yeah. so such an interesting space yeah 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 so again you know um not from a, not just from a health mm. a human health perspective but a, a, a earth you know planet perspective um you know that it's all that whole space is really really interesting and i think needs much more attention that it's already attracting and it's great that the asparagopsis is you know you know feeding it to to cows is really topical at the moment and it's actually something that the Victorian government was doing nearly 20 years ago but Sam from uh, Sea Forest I don't know about if you know his story but he was um I think he was I think he was in the good weekend just recently he was yeah, yeah. wasn't he an actor and then he linked up with some scientist and or vice versa no he was he grew he grew up in he grew up in Noosa and he got into he had his own like fashion line. Yes, yes, he was a fashion line. That's right, not neck. Yeah, yeah. So he was in the rag trade, and then he just again, you know, purpose driven founder, really wanted to do something um, to have an impact, and just went out there and and found the scientists around the world that knew something about this that he'd heard about. And then so they narrowed it down to Asparagopsis and then um, other companies, including Syro, have developed a company to, you know, process the Asparagopsis that he is um, making in Tasmania. Uh, It's a really fantastic story and um, he is looking at edible seaweed, uh, but that's sort of, you know, I guess at the moment distracting him from his main purpose but um it's definitely on his radar and other people are looking at that around Australia too but it's it's a little bit crazy that we're surrounded by seaweed see that so therefore seaweed <laughs> and we import see edible seaweed yeah from port, places like Portugal and yeah we shouldn't have to do that so but it does need the sector does need investment um and it needs to obviously be done in a sustainable way and likely you know in conjunction with you know developing the you know kelp forests and things like that so you know it's like anything in the food system and the natural system it's always interlinked nothing you know occurs by itself and unfortunately the last you know number of decades we've sort of you know been looking at the food system well not looking at the whole system when producing food and so that's why we've we've ended up with you know 
industries that aren't sustainable or a food system that's not sustainable. We're running on for time now, but I was going to talk about this for hours as well. Um, I was going to ask you, is there a seaweed um, industry association or interest group? Because it also crosses over with sovereign food issues really strongly. And in the whole NRM agriculture space, there's actually only one ocean NRM organisation, Ocean Watch. Like the health of our oceans and our seaweeds, it's a whole huge space for healthy and sustainable food systems, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's a few more sort of ocean-based um, organisations and one actually that runs an accelerator out of Sydney, which is really exciting. But, um, and that's just new this year, Ocean Impact, I think, mm, mm. something like that. So that's good to see. Agri-Futures um, support new industries and that's one of the industries that they're supporting, which includes, you know, edible seaweed. What are they calling it? It's a seaweed industry, is it? Linked to um, a national organisation and they have a, a this big sort of 24-hour sort of conference um, or it might be 48-hour conference all around the world, which is really cool every year. I think it started last year. So it's linking up all of, all of the the people in around the world and so where a lot of our sort of um i guess seaweed businesses and uh including startups and researchers they're you know most of them are involved in that and then they have a the australian industry have a um a conference in tassie every year which i think is coming up maybe in november or something like that um so that they, they are you know quite well networked the sector um just it probably just needs some investment and it's it's happening it's just we just haven't seen the results yet these things take time emma how can people interested in participating in the 2023 food waste accelerator program learn more or apply for it right so it's probably best to just sign up to our newsletter on the website and we haven't we the applications won't be open until probably the end of this month uh online uh, but that will certainly, you know, send an email out when applications open. And that's for the challenge and the accelerator program, which will sort of occur next year. So that's that's probably the best way to check out, you know, I guess the people that were involved in our um, our program this year. So just go to rocketseater.com slash food waste uh, and, and that will come up with the um the web page with all of that information and that's that's where the information will be for next year's program and that's a challenge program and an accelerator program that's right yep emma tell me what the difference between the challenge program is and the accelerator program okay so the challenge is for anyone to apply and uh in australia again and they will will have different categories um that they can apply for and really, it's just um, well, we, there will be you know some cash and um, other prizes uh, involved in in the challenge, but really, it's about highlighting um, the issue again of food waste, and and what the solutions what solutions people have uh, in Australia to um, address the challenge of food waste reducing food waste by 2030 and realizing that not everyone wants to do an accelerator program that's that's why we've we've had this because we just want to uncover and and um, highlight as many good ideas as possible so the the accelerator program is obviously you know will take 10 to 12 early stage startups this for the next program and 
ideally they're sort of getting ready to sort of raise their, you know, funding, you know, the, the pre-seed round. So part of the program is getting them prepared for that. So I guess that's quite specific and some people might be not ready for that or they'll be too advanced for that, but we'll be able to capture some of those people in the with the challenge. Okay. So the challenge is for ideas and spreading the word, building the building the building the story and the networks. And the accelerator is a little bit further down the track for startups growing their business uh, deck. <laughs> yeah, so the, the challenge is um, actually probably more for, you know, um, not ideas. <laughs> so it's, a bit, it's, it's for people that have existing businesses that are doing something currently and making it. Okay, so the challenge is actually further down the track than the accelerator program. Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just it's just the format. So it's just you apply uh, and then you get shortlisted. You may get shortlisted and then there'll be winners in each category. So it's, I guess, low touch for someone, but there's no program component that or educational component. Uh, it's just highlighting people doing good stuff. Okay. So the challenge is like a submission. Yep. And the accelerator program is a program. Correct. Okay, cool. Thank you. And to learn more about those amazing um, options, uh, sign up for the newsletter, stay stay tuned to the website and uh, get your get your applications or entries in. Emma, thank you so much for speaking with me. <laughs> any, any other <laughs> fascinating facts, comments or call-outs you'd like to share with listeners? Uh, no, I guess um, we're still looking for uh, sponsors uh, for our Food Waste 2023 program and challenge. Uh, so if anyone is interested in participating or um, uh, for becoming a mentor, a Rocket Cedar mentor too, we're always looking for um, people who are very much like working with passionate founders, you know, whether they're founders themselves or people who are more sort of subject matter experts. They've got, you know, experience in fundraising or, uh, legal or they've got some sort of some super superpower that will be helpful for um, startup founders who will be most likely very appreciative of their support and advice. Oh, I can think of lots of people to suggest. <laughs> I've been speaking with Emma Coth, who is the Managing Director of Rocket Cedar, which is itself a seriously clever accelerator for early stage startups in the food and agriculture sector in Australia. They are change makers and enablers, helping others and other great ideas to thrive and grow sustainable change in the food sector. And they are currently looking for new mentors and additional sponsors. So lots of opportunities uh, to get involved. To learn more, head to Rocket Cedar's website at www.rocketcedar.com. Thank you, Emma. Really nice to meet you. Thanks, Anthea. Bye. Thanks for listening. To listen to more episodes of Nourishing Matters to Chew On, head to Foodswell's podcast page at foodswell.org.au backslash nourishing or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And stay in touch via Instagram at nourishing underscore matters and on Facebook at Nourishing Matters to Chew On. If you like what you hear and would like to support us, give us a rating and a review in your favourite podcast app so other people can find us too.